In the name of God, most merciful, ever merciful, and may God's peace and blessings be upon his holy prophet Muhammad and the purified members of his household and progeny. So maybe a quick recap of where we left off. As you remember, we were presented perhaps the two biggest proofs for the existence of God, the proof for of the necessary being and the proof from the design of the world. And then we presented, we started talking about the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, the first thing we did is to distinguish between the different kinds of ways that we can describe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, give him attributes. So we said that one way to give attributes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to look at him in himself. When we look at a thing, anything in itself and give it attributes, we say those are attributes of essence. Essence or that is the thing in itself. We can also give attributes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that are called attributes of action. So these are about what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does and no different than any other thing. And so we gave examples for ourselves. If you want to describe someone, a friend or yourself, you may talk about yourself as being a human being or a boy or that's a attribute of essence. And you can also talk about your actions and you define yourself through your actions. So that's one categorization of the one way, one category of or a manner in which we can attribute or describe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's attributes or describe Allah. The other way is to have attributes, talk about attributes as attributes that are positive or negative. So, as you remember, negative does not mean that it's bad. It just means that it's a negation in the grammatical sense that it's a negation. So, on the one hand, we can say, for instance, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-knowing. That's a positive attribute. Or I say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not a physical body. That's a negative attribute. I'm saying, I'm describing him by saying what he is not. That's a negative attribute. And then we started by talking about some of the main attributes of essence. So the three that we mentioned, as you remember, we talked about knowledge, we talked about power, and we talked about life. So without going into the, the details of how we've proved we demonstrated each one of the attributes of these attributes. Inshallah, today we continue with where we left off. So let's continue with the attributes of action. And there are a lot of attributes of action. So we'll start with a few. And depending on how much time we have, we're probably going to cover a few more in the next uh, jalsa, in the next gathering. And inshallah, we'll continue to into other topics after that. So a few points that I think are important to keep in mind. First of all, as you keep in mind, it's important, keep in mind the distinction between attribute of essence and attribute of action. We're looking at a thing in itself or looking at the actions of a thing. We said another way to understand the attributes of action or another definition for the attributes of action is when there's a relationship between the thing and another thing. That becomes an attribute of action. So it's not necessarily an action. In one way it is an action, but in another way it's simply 
a, a relationship between two entities. If there's a relationship, it means there are two entities. And in the case of God, it means it's an action of God. Okay, this is going to be important. Basically, an attribute of action, another way to talk about it, in English we would say it's a relational attribute. It's an attribute of relation. When I say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is knowledgeable, there is no relationship between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and anything else. I'm just looking at God as God. But if I say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a creator, well, he has to create something. The moment there's a relationship between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and something else, we're into the attributes of action. So the easy, simple way to define attributes of action is to say this is an action, it's an act. But sometimes it gets a little gray. So another way to understand them is to say the moment there's a relationship. So the moment it's a relational description of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala between Allah and another entity, it becomes an attribute of action. Okay? If you keep that in mind, then you're going to think, okay, so how many relationships does God have or could God have with other entities, with other creatures? And in, from which angles is there a relationship? Yeah, and from one angle, I could say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates. From another angle, I could say He gives life. From another angle, that's another kind of relationship. Another one is He removes life. Okay, that's another relationship. He sustains life. He maintains it. He get, Okay, each one of these becomes a different kind of relationship. And the more you could think of, well, the more you have attributes. So you potentially have an infinity of attributes that are relational between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His creatures, other entities. Okay, these are all things to keep in mind about attributes of action. Another point to keep in mind about attributes of action is that sometimes they are direct and sometimes they're indirect. Example, if I, Allah, if I say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a creator, the relationship is between Allah and a creature and that's it. So this is a direct relation. If I say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a sustainer, he sustains he gives rizq. Now I have an indirect relationship. In what sense? Well, for the rizq to be there, it's not, on, not only do we have two entities, not only do we have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the rizq, there must be something receiving the rizq and, and, and. So now I have an indirect relationship. There's going to be a chain. There has to be something that is created in terms of rizq and something that receives that rizq, at least. So I'm now in a relationship with multiple elements, not only one. But it's all relational. Another point to keep in mind. And the points I'm saying, they're not necessarily relevant for today's lesson. Okay, Some of them are, some of them are not. What I think they do is that if you keep them in mind, when you hear, for instance, certain hadith, narrations, when you read the Qur'an, and you have these explanations in mind, a lot of things start making sense. If you start understanding, for instance, the difference between attributes of essence and action, or as we said, sometimes the attributes of action are defined as those that, are, that have an opposite. There are things that you can describe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with, 
And there are things you cannot describe him with. Not everything that you describe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with, you can describe him by the opposite. I can say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may be happy or angry. Okay, if you read the Holy Quran, you see sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, can be happy with someone, can be satisfied with someone. Right? And there are other places where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about ghadab and sakhat and he has anger towards someone. Okay, of course it's not in the meaning that we use for ourselves and we can talk about that more. But we can see the attribute and its opposite. Both used to describe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala depending on the actions of people, let's say. Can I say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has knowledge and doesn't have knowledge? Or has power and doesn't have power? No. This is one more distinction that I have between attributes of essence and attributes of action. And that's why we keep them in mind. It helps you understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you read the Quran or you, you think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to make those distinctions. What are the attributes that I can use with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And they have an opposite. And what cannot be applied to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it allows us to have a better sense of what Tawheed is. So another point to keep in mind. The attributes they derive from each other. We have attributes that are a higher level. And once you understand those, you see how attributes of a lower level derive out of them. So all attributes of action are derivable from attributes of essence. So the more you understand the attributes of essence, the more you understand how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in himself, the easier it is for you to understand how he would be with his creatures and how those attributes of action derive. The relational attributes are going to derive out of them. Okay? And this is also one way to understand why some attributes or some names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are sometimes referred to as being a'zam, as being greater than others. It's because some of them are higher on the hierarchy and more attributes derive out of them. And some of them are lower and less, fewer attributes are derived out of them. So the higher you are, the more you encompass. And so the attributes that we talked about until now, they're the ones that encompass the most. We talked about knowledge, power, and life. They encompass everything. Is there an attribute that encompasses all of them? Yes, there is. And that's the word that only exists in our religion, and that's the word Allah. So the words Allah is also one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but it's the name that encompasses all the attributes. And that's why they say you can't really translate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because it's a proper noun with a kind of an implied definition. And the definition is it has all the attributes or names of Allah under it. So instead of me saying, let's say the 100 names of Allah, I say that one name and all of them are included. When I say Allah, what do I mean? I mean the one who has knowledge and power and life and creatorship and divinity and lordship and, and, and. Okay? So the highest name is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And everything else derives out of it. Okay? Keeping that in mind. Yes. So basically Allah is a, is a, it's not a word that has a meaning of its own. It's a word that's combined of many other words 
as many other actions and and nouns. It's not it's not something on its own though. No, it could be. It could be considered as having. But the easiest way to understand it is to say that it's combining. It's for us to understand it better. But is it only an accumulation of understanding all the others? Not necessarily. It could be said that it's more. I don't want you to view this, although some scholars do it that way. I don't want you to see these... Uh, the, the explanation that I gave on how names can derive from others, I don't want you to see it like a mathematical equation. That if there is one from which others derive, let's say life is that which has knowledge and power. I don't want you to view life as only that. So if I have knowledge and power, I have life and stuff. Like I have 100% of life if I have 50% and 50% from... So you have it's, to use your logic so it can become like... You can use your logic in unlimited ways for each name. So not unlimited ways, but like like. Uh, There's more. Come exactly. You can come from it in many different ways. Yeah. Well. So I'm using one way that I thought would be easier to understand. I'm I'm presenting it in that way. Okay, but I'm I don't want you to see it like it's a mathematical equation where you had 100 percent and there's nothing more than the names that are derived from it or the names that contribute to it. Not that way. Some attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they can be seen as both attributes of essence and action. It's not that the attribute itself is, it's that depending on how you look at it. So for instance, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates, is a creator. Okay? Creation itself is obviously an attribute of action that is derived from an attribute of essence, which is power. Okay? Okay. If I say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the ability to create, am I still in creatorship? No. Now I'm in the essence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in himself always has the ability to. The ability to anything. That's power. The ability to create, the ability to sustain, the ability to give life, the ability to take away life. The ability is in power. But once the act is performed, now I'm in an attribute of action. Then it has a relationship. And it's, there's a relationship. Whereas the other one, we're looking at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by himself. And there's no relational. Okay. So, the same attribute, sometimes we get the impression, why is this important? So sometimes, and this is a little advanced, but I think it's still useful. Sometimes we see, even in the Holy Quran, there are attributes that we think they're attributes of knowledge, for instance. Sometimes the Quran uses it in a way that we think, what does it really mean when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Holy Quran, it comes back again and again, it says, Allah. He puts you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's now a situation, Allah wants to know. Allah wants to see how you're going to act. Allah wants to find out who is good and who is bad. Who is mu'min and a believer or, and who is a munafiq, a hypocrite. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't know. This is where this becomes useful. And we say, okay, it's the same. The attribute of knowledge is one. But I can look at it as the before the act, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in himself, Allah knows. In this verse, the easy grammatical linguistic way to define it is to say, you don't even look at the attributes of Allah. 
it's like a kind of a figure of speech or a metaphor. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to test you. Okay, that's a simpler, easier way to understand it. But if I want to look and think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how he's using the words, this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is using an attribute, the attribute that we called is the attribute of essence, al-ilm, but he's using it in an active way. It's now an act. That's why the scholars refer to this as ilm fi'li. Okay, this is after the act. There's one level of God's knowledge that is eternal. That's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge in himself. And that it's always there. And another level, there's another type of knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that's actually happening on the ground now. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also seeing. And Allah wants to see who's going to be a believer and who's not. It's easy for you to say, I'm a believer. You haven't been tested. Let's test you and then we'll see. And then we'll know who's a believer and who is not. So this gives us different levels, different ranks, different uh, different orders of the same attribute. One falling in essence, one falling in action. They kind of roll up into each other. Because it's the same attribute. They derive from each other. And it's compatible with the kind of world we live in. The last point I wanted to make about attributes of action, and then we'll talk about a few of them. Attributes of action, because they are always relational, because there's always another entity receiving the act, the action of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are always going to be limited by the receiver. They are not limited by the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are limited by the receiver because there is a, a relationship between two entities. The other entity must be able to receive the act. If that entity happens to be limited in time, that entity appears at a moment in history. Obviously, that act will look like it's limited in time because it wasn't there. And then when that entity showed up, the act looks like it showed up at that time. Whatever the act is. It could be the act of bringing it into existence, of sustaining it, of doing something to it, of removing life from it. Something is happening in time. So we may get the impression that the act is in time, which is not a problem in itself. But then it brings us back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we're going to start thinking that Allah has limited it in this way. Right? Because he's the one acting. The problem is the act has to happen in a certain way. So it could be limited by whatever the limits are of the receiver. So this is an important point to always keep in mind. And we'll come back to it. I'm just explaining the principle now. But as we're going to go through these lessons, now I'm going to give you just the principle. The principle is that, I won't forget. The principle is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's act is limited by the receiver. So sometimes we think that there's a limit to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. Knowledge, mercy, giving, taking, whatever limit you see, that's the limit of the receiving end. It's not the limit of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or his ability or his act. And this is important to understand some of the mistakes that have happened in the thinking of other religions or other madahib or some thinkers when they look at some divine actions and they interpret them in the wrong way. Because they're looking at the limitations of the receiver 
And they think this is a limitation of the divine act. They're not making the distinction that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge or power is not limited. But the receiving end is limited. It can only receive the act, whatever it is, given its own limitations. If Ani, I have a little bucket this big, and I'm standing in front of an ocean, I can't take the whole ocean. I can only take this much water from it. Because that's the size of my container. Okay? So that's like the divine act. The potential is that ocean and a lot more. And what I have is a, a limited container that can receive whatever it is given. Okay? So this applies to everything, the good and the bad. And we, if we want to concentrate on the good, like divine mercy, I want to have, I want to receive divine knowledge, I want to receive divine mercy, I want to do, receive divine blessing. Well, it depends on what kind of container I'm bringing. If my container is limited like this, I can't expect to receive the same amount as the container of my friend who has a container ten times bigger than mine. Okay? So, is there a question? I think you answered it. So it's basically like, uh, like some. It's not like somebody has a hundred dollars and then they give you twenty. So you you think the other person only has twenty? It's more like you only you, your wallet only fits twenty. So he gives you twenty, and then and then you think that he only has twenty. You may think. Or like or like you uh, may fall into the mistake. So and we're trying to prevent that mistake. Hmm. And yes. then, like he would, and then he would, uh, he would, uh, like basically he would say, the second I get nineteen is going to be refilled, but that's not how it is. Like the yeah. Now you're going into another topic. Yes. And how other are you going to get more or less? If you get more, if you, are you going to get again? And if you get again, it's going to be the same. You're going to get again or not? Like basically that, and it's like. Uh, Am I gonna get twenty by twenty, or am I gonna get like? Does it have to refill up to twenty? And it's like it's it, my the main thing is basically you answered. It's basically like you only have a container that that fits twenty. Yes. You don't have a container that fits thirty. If you like, uh, it would hurt you to get thirty because mm -hmm. then it would start falling off, and then. And that container can always change. Exactly. At any moment. But you have to change it, though. Of course. Yeah. You will change it. You're always changing it. Mm -hmm. Every moment. Mm 